If you've been following the Sociology Podcast since I launched it in 2021, you will be aware of the Reverse Psychology subseries, which is basically unpopular Chicago opinions from Chicago. You will also be aware of the SAT, the Sociology Awareness Test, where I quiz random Chicagoans about different questions in regards to Chicago history and culture. Well, this Black History Month, I'm introducing the Chicago Goats subseries. This is basically a black Chicago history blitz that details and gives brief summaries of different black Chicagoans that lived in our city and did great things in their respective careers and left a huge impact not on the city but on the entire world. So without further ado, let's get into it. From Harold Washington to Harold's Chicken and everything in between and beyond, this is Sociology. The Powerball, Mega Millions. There are national lottery drawings and state lottery drawings in this country. I remember walking the streets of Bronzeville with my Uncle Ronnie and he would play my grandma's numbers and he would play the numbers for her neighbors as well. This is a task he enjoyed and so did I. Lottery is something that has a deep history in this country regardless of race. You know, America's earliest settlers, they brought the lotto with them. In 1612, the Virginia Company of London was authorized by King James I to run a lottery to help finance ships to the Jamestown Colony in Virginia. In 1748, Benjamin Franklin organized a lottery in Philadelphia to help fund the establishment of militias. Around 1800, Denmark Vesey, an enslaved black man in Charleston, South Carolina, won a local lottery and used that money to buy his freedom. And if you don't know who Denmark Vesey is, I challenge you to research him. But it's interesting how the lottery played a role in his journey. Later on in 1800s, the lottery games would be banned for moral and religious reasons. And they wouldn't become legal again until the mid-1900s after World War II. In fact, in Illinois, the lottery wasn't legalized until 1974 to be exact. But what about the period in between when it was prohibited and illegal? When the rackets made millions and kept the local economies running and the city politicians fueled from the shadows. As we make our way back to Bronzeville, this episode is about the policy kings, the Jones brothers and Ted Rowe. The Jones brothers, Edward, George and Matt came from Mississippi and settled in Bronzeville on 43rd and Forestville. Ed was studying medicine at Howard University and he dropped out to go into the policy business. This is what the illegal lottery rackets were called at the time. But can you imagine how much money had to be present to attract a man to drop out of one of the most premier HBCUs to pursue a gambling operation? A lot. And under the protection of Mayor Ed Kelly and Cook County Chairman Patrick Nash, the Jones brothers were making $2,000 a day in the early 1930s on the streets of Bronzeville. And by 1938, it was $10,000 a day. The Jones brothers and their top lieutenant, Ted Rowe, were bringing in $25 million annually by 1946, and they funded many legitimate businesses in Chicago, in black Chicago. But this is why it's best to keep your mouth shut, and this is a lesson I learned myself. Because Ed Jones, one day, he was sharing a federal prison cell with capital regime at the time of the Chicago outfit, Sam Giacana. Ed revealed certain information about his policy games to Sam, and Sam was released and convinced the Chicago outfit's boss, Tony Arcado, that it was a lot of money to be made on the South Side if they was to take down the policy kings. So this is when the Chicago outfit kidnapped Ed Jones and held him for a $100,000 ransom and demanded that the policy business would be surrendered to their control. Ted Rowe made the payment and Ed Jones was released. And that's when he and his brothers fled to Mexico. But Ted Rowe didn't give up his share and he didn't run. He continued business as usual and he became known as the Black Robin Hood. He paid for hospital bills, funerals, and even gave cash to the needy on a daily basis. 
He murdered a made man of the Chicago outfit and beat the case. And when he was released, he thumped his chest and said, quote, they'll have to kill me to take me, end quote. This was a public defiance of the Italian aggression he was up against. In August 1947, his doctors diagnosed him with stomach cancer. And in 1952, when he was accepting his fate after he became weaker and weaker over time due to the cancer, he dressed himself in a three-piece suit and sat outside on the stoop of his mansion, making himself an easy target for the outfit. They gunned him down that night on August 4th, 1952. His funeral procession had 81 cars and thousands were in attendance, thus officially ended the reign of the Policy Kings. But Sam Giacana would be shot and killed himself on June 19, 1975, and in my sanctified imagination, I picture myself as a hitman going back in time on my birthday to get it back in blood for the Policy Kings. But nonetheless, the Policy Games, although they were viewed as a vice, they were essential to the economy in Bronzeville, and the Jones brothers and Ted Rowe were seen as heroes, not as bad guys. And this is why they are Chicago's. And it's not just Chicago, but nationwide in every black community that had a policy wheel, it's the same story, I'm sure. Here in 2024, it's so easy to gamble. All you need is a FanDuel app, a gambling app, take a trip to your local corner store or the casino, and you can win big for a small price. But my advice to you is when you do win big, you don't tell anybody. If you enjoyed this podcast, I ask for two things and I would love you forever. Number one, please engage with us on social media. So like, share, subscribe, and comment on whatever platform you're listening to it on. And number two, please make sure you pass on to a friend who enjoy it as well.